Arizona Diamondbacks Farm Preview. What are they doing with Jordan Lawler? You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby award-winning baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by our friends at GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So, continuing with our national... National League West farm system previews. We're looking at the Arizona Diamondbacks, 84 and 78 last year, barely made it into the postseason, obviously went all the way to the World Series, fueled partly by the unanimous rookie of the year, Corbin Carroll. And one of the common predictions late last season was that the Diamondbacks would follow up the rookie of the year campaign of Corbin Carroll with a rookie of the year campaign by Jordan Lawler their top prospect. 2021 first rounder out of high school, absolutely shot through the system, was sent up to AAA late in the year last year, and they started to move him around a little bit. He was only there for 16 games, but they played him some at second, they played him some at third. He did a lot of work in and out of games to get ready to play multiple positions. Ends up getting called up, got 31 at-bats in the regular season, went four for 31, with two walks and 11 strikeouts, and then went 0 for 2 in the postseason. Between that and Eugenio Suarez being traded for by Arizona, combined with the fact that shortstop Geraldo Perdomo made the All-Star game last year, it really feels like Jordan Lawler's going to end up starting 2024 in AAA. Five games last year in the minors between AA and AAA, and 89 of those were in AA. Uh, in that time span, 278, 378, 496 for Jordan Lawler. 20 home runs, 47 extra base hits, 56 walks to 101 strikeouts, and 36 of 41 on stolen bases. Uh, as far as what you need to know about Jordan Lawler, one of the best prospects in all of baseball. From June 1st until he got called up, he had a 970 OPS. Projects to be a plus hitter, somewhere between above average and plus power. Uh, defense is probably a 70 grade, I'm sorry, speed is probably a 70 grade defense. I'd put him as a plus defender with a plus arm, right? One of the best prospects in baseball. Very few concerns about Jordan Lawler and uh, where he's going to be able to, or if he's going to be able to be successful at the major league level. Obviously, the small sample he got in the regular season wasn't that great. Uh, but again, it was also only parts of 14 games, sporadic playtime. We've had those conversations before about how hard it is to be effective with your playtime being spread out like that. Now that they've traded for Eugenio Suarez from the Seattle Mariners, a lot of questions now about what happens with Jordan Lawler. Obviously, it feels like he's going to have a chance to win a job in spring training, whose job would he win? That's the, that's the hard part to figure out. Because again, you have Eugenio Suarez at third, who is making a full-time, rather large salary. 
You have tenured veteran Kettle Marte at second, and then obviously Gerardo Perdomo was a was an all-star last year. And so it's hard to immediately say any of those guys would have to move. Now, could Lawler's skill set work in the outfield? It's entirely possible. But Corbin Carroll in left, you're obviously not replacing Corbin Carroll. Alec Thomas in center, Jake McCarthy in right. Lords Guriel was just re-signed, I believe, on a three-year deal. And there's not a lot of obvious openings on the roster right now for Jordan Lawler. And this is a trend that continues as you go through this farm system and you look is the concentration of talent does not match uh, the needs of the team, right? It feels like there's a lot of infielders, a lot of outfield options, and there's not a ton of openings at the major league level or even projected openings to fit these guys into. I'm very curious to see what happens with Jordan Lawler, where he ends up playing Right after spring training, again, because he spent such little time in AAA, I could absolutely see them trying to send him to AAA, but at the same time, you do have prospect promotion incentive. That is a thing. The Diamondbacks are getting an additional draft pick because Corbin Carroll won Rookie of the Year, and Jordan Lawler is the type of talent that could win Rookie of the Year. Now, in a year where Yashinabu Yamamoto is an option, to win the award, and we're, we've been on the record as saying a foreign professionals should not be eligible for Rookie of the Year. There should be a different award in that situation, but it makes you wonder, do they go back to some of the old school service time manipulation stuff because they see the likelihood of Lawler winning Rookie of the Year to be significantly lower now that Yamamoto is not only in the National League, but also in their division. So we'll see what happens there. When you're talking about top prospects for the Diamondbacks, a lot of people have questions about Drew Jones. And he's missed so much time that I think it's really hard to properly evaluate him. So obviously, 2022 first rounder, very top of the draft. Has a shoulder injury almost immediately after getting drafted. He's like the third straight Diamondbacks first rounder to have a shoulder injury soon after the draft. Misses time in 23 as well because of a quad strain and a hamstring strain. 41 total games between rookie ball and A ball. 173 plate appearances is all we have for Drew Jones. Very small sample here. 238, 353, 327. Two home runs, seven extra base hits, 26 walks to 45 strikeouts, and 9 of 12 on stolen bases. He feels like the injuries have really messed with his ability to do what or to get into a groove at the plate, defensively, everything. And so I don't even know necessarily how much we can evaluate him. You look at his contact rate, it was below 70%. But we've seen on we've seen previous examples, whether it was showcases, whether it was and flashes where he's had no concerns at all about contact rate. I really think a lot of the struggles we saw last year come down to the injuries and then come down a bit to some of the mechanics. And I found it interesting. I think Baseball America talked about this in their write-ups about how he needed to change some of his mechanics and maybe necessarily what he did at the plate to better get better unlock some of the potential that he has from an offensive perspective. Defensively, we know 
Drew Jones takes after his father, Andrew Jones, 10-time Gold Glover, should be a Hall of Famer. We'll see what happens with the stuff this year. As far as amazing defense, great arm, great speed, but it's figure out the mechanics of the swing and get something that works better in minor league baseball. A lot of ground balls. And then again, just not a great biomechanical look from the swing and were the injuries part of that, it's really hard to evaluate. We need to put a pause on this for next year. Uh, Tommy Troy is the other big prospect in this system. 2023 first rounder out of Stanford. Uh, plays shortstop. I think he can play multiple different positions though. 27 games between rookie ball and high A last year after the draft. 271, 374, 469. Four home runs, 10 extra base hits. 16 walks to 28 strikeouts, and 9 for 9 on stolen bases. He didn't play anywhere but shortstop after the draft. Let's keep that, let's clarify on that. He didn't play anywhere but shortstop after the draft, but with Perdomo, with Lawler, there's other options at short where you feel like he's going to need to play either second base or third base. As far as offensively, above average power, above average hit tool, I feel confident that he can play whatever role you need him to play from an offensive perspective. He can hit home runs if you need him. He can drive guys in. He can get on base. All of that stuff. Defensively, does he play second or third? I think the arm strength's probably average. I think the speed ultimately is probably average. And can he kick the third? Is he confined to second? I don't know. I think power-wise, he doesn't profile as an ideal third baseman. You want somebody with a little bit more power, and this system has a lot of third base options. We'll get into that in the next couple segments. But either way, Tommy Troy looks like he's somebody who should move pretty fast. I expect him to probably open 24 in AA, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him in AAA by the end of the year. In just a minute... Let's talk about some of the players you may or may not see in 2024, because again, there's a lot of position players here, a lot of position player talent, but a lot of spots already locked up on the Major League roster. We'll do all that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. You should not have to worry about trying to find tickets last minute for a big event. Game Time is the best fastest, easiest way to buy tickets for all of the sports, music, comedy, theater, whatever type of events are near you. They've got last-minute deals, all-in prices, and the best price guarantee. So the way this works, if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, the game time guarantee means they will credit you back 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Down the Game Time app, create an account, use promo code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account, redeem code Locked On, L O C K E D O N, for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Okay, so talking about prospects you may or may not see at the major league level in 2024. There's a lot of guys who have hung out around AAA for just about their entire seasons. And then there's some guys who should make it to AAA and uh, by probably midpoint of the season if everything goes right. One of those guys that's hung out in AAA is shortstop Blaze Alexander, 11th rounder in 2018 out of high school. 73 games last year in AAA. Had a little bit of 
injury stuff there. Batted 292, 408, 458. Eight home runs, 23 extra base hits, 42 walks to 83 strikeouts, and two of four on stolen bases. They moved him around a little bit when he was in AAA. He played some second base, he played some third base, but the majority of it was at shortstop. And there's good and bad here with Blaze Alexander. The power potential was legitimately there. The 90th percentile exit velo for Blaze Alexander, 105 miles an hour. He averaged 89 miles an hour. And yes, it does. The 89 mile an hour average and the 105 90th are a little bit of more of a spread than you were expecting. And I think it's because, so he's, there's, I have some questions about the offensive, uh, the, the pure offensive ability, right? I mentioned he struck out 83 times in 73 games, okay? He had a contact rate of 66% and a zone contact rate of only 77%. So those are both below average. But here's the thing. He's also super picky at the plate, right? Like he's he doesn't chase a ton. And so that low contact rate is because he's swinging less often. And that means whenever he does swing and miss it counts against him more than most other players. I still ultimately think the hit tool is probably average at best, and it's hard to say that about a guy who batted 292. But when you look at all of the numbers that go into measuring the quality of the hit tool, and specifically a 77% contact rate in the strike zone, it's hard for me to say, yes, Blaze Alexander is a plus a plus offense, a plus hit tool guy because of that. Again, he can play shortstop. It's perfectly fine. He's got second and third base versatility as well. They had him do those a handful of times each last year to build some of that versatility in. Same situation. I don't know where he plays though. Where does he play at the major league level? He's not passing Kettle Marte. He's not passing Perdomo. He's probably not passing Eugenio Suarez. He's not passing Jordan Lawler. And these are assets where if you want to make a trade, there's probably a team who would take a guy like a Blaze Alexander off of your hands. Another guy, an outfielder in this case, Jorge Barosa, 2017 IFA, got 400 or so thousand dollars to sign. Spent the entire season in AAA, 120 games. And in those games, 274, 394, 456, 13 home runs, 41 extra base hits, 80 walks to 82 strikeouts, and 15 of 22 on stolen bases. They're a little bit different from Blaze Alexander. I'm not going to say he's completely opposite, but I am going to flop him a little bit. Power is not as good as his hit tool, right? Better hit tool here, 79% contact rate overall, but in the zone, 87% contact. So very good at making contact. Obviously, go off the walk numbers, 80 walks in 120 games going to be really good at getting on base, right? Speed is only necessarily average. A lot of the stolen bases come, came off of finding opportune time, having good instincts. 15 to 22, the pure speed isn't necessarily there. Power-wise, this is where you're losing a little bit. And he's a smaller guy. He's listed at 5'6", five, 5'7", five, 170. And so average exit velocity, 88 miles an hour. 90th percentile is only 101. So I think it's 
firmly kind of fringe to maybe average. I think you're looking at a 15 home run ceiling, really, on Jorge Barosa. Now, that kind of profile has to, it really has to play center field. You can't really use that in a corner. You have to use that in center. And most of his time in AAA last year was in center. 94 games in center, 22 in left, 4 in right. And so the question now is, who does he replace at the major league level? You've got four outfielders already. I mean, he feels like diet Alec Thomas, right? He's diet Alec Thomas. You have Alec Thomas, though. Corbin Carroll can also play center. And so Jorge Barros is another guy where, barring some sort of jump in his power as he goes into his age 23 season, you have a guy that looks like he's going to be a fourth outfielder at best, and you do have a bunch of outfielders on your roster right now because you just brought back Lords Goriel. A couple other guys you may see later in the year, or they might get him primed for a 2025 full season run. Ivan Melendez is a polarizing player to a lot of people. I've seen people argue he's like the fourth best prospect in the system. I've seen people argue he's like the 10th or 12th best prospect in the system. And there's valid arguments to be made either way. 2022 draftee out of Texas. And last year, 96 games between high A and double A. 272, 345, 578. 30 home runs, 54 extra base hits, 31 walks to 146 strikeouts for Ivan Melendez, and 4 of 6 on stolen bases. Power is absurd, okay? I have seen balls come off that bat at 114 miles an hour. At the same time, he struck out 34% of the time. We had this conversation with Ellie De La Cruz. Like he ran a 272 average, but struck out 34% of the time. At some point in time, that has to normalize, right? He's been playing first base and third base. He had 57 games at third, 36 games at first last year. Uh, but had a 943 fielding percentage at third. The arm is surprisingly good. I don't necessarily know if the range is good enough for him to be a difference maker at third base. And now you've got questions, right? You've got questions. What is the true contact ability? 64.5% overall contact. What is the grade there? Defensively, you have questions. Does he play third? Does he play first? And then he does have some pretty pronounced splits as well against righties. He put up an 823 OPS, which is not bad, struck out 37% of the time. Not great. Against lefties, he struck out only 25% of the time and put up a 1327 OPS. Okay, yeah, that's great. Do you keep Ivan Melendez on your roster as a lefty hitting first base and DH option? That's the bottom of the range of outcomes. The top of the range of outcomes is a slugging third baseman with both power and contact ability. Where is the true Ivan Melendez? I don't quite think we know that yet. In just a minute, let's talk about there's quite a few guys on here that I've got questions about. A lot of third base options. A pitcher that everybody's talking about. We'll discuss them next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. The NFL regular season's wrapping up, but there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets Win or lose. 
So go find a random NFL game to bet on. It doesn't matter who you pick because then you unlock your bonus bets to go in and put action on different Diamondbacks players to win different things. The Arizona Diamondbacks, as of time of recording, have the sixth best odds to win the National League at plus 1,700. They're behind the Dodgers and Braves. Makes sense. The Phillies. Makes sense. The Cardinals, not sure what that's about. And the Mets, what are we even doing here, FanDuel? So it should be fourth best odds right now. It is sixth best odds, but you can go out and do that. Or there are different members of the Arizona Diamondbacks who are options for MVP, for Cy Young, things like that. Again, FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make your first bet to get your 150 bucks in bonus bets with FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Final segment here of the Arizona Diamondbacks Farm Preview. Let's talk about some lower level guys. I've got four or five guys I'm going to try to get to real quickly, and then I want to give you my dart throw. Lower level guys, let's talk about lefty Yumin Lin. Okay, a lot of people discuss Yumin Lin because he had a good year last year. 24 games between high A and double A, 6 and 5 with a 3.86 ERA for this guy they signed in the 2021 international free agency class for half a million dollars, okay? 121 and a third innings for Yumin Lin, 140 strikeouts, 10.4 per 9, 248 walks, 3.6 per 9, 10 home runs allowed, 0.7. Here's the problem I have with this. His best pitch is a changeup. Everydayers know I struggle with changeup dominant pitchers, and I think I'm always thinking of Yu Min Lin whenever I see a changeup dominant pitcher. His fastball averages 90 miles an hour. He can sometimes get it up to 92, 93, but it averages 90. Sometimes it sits in the high 80s. It doesn't have a lot of amazing life up in the zone or anything. He's not primarily throwing a sinker. He's throwing the change up so that he can set up the changeup that drops. It's a really good changeup. Don't get me wrong. He has a really good curveball as well. The command isn't always there, but the movement is good. And so you have a guy that has a really good changeup. He doesn't have a great, like he doesn't have really a survivable fastball, I think, at maybe even the double A level or above. He also has a slider. He has a cutter. None of them are that prevalent in the arsenal. Everything works around the changeup. He's also five foot 11, 165 pounds. I don't know if that's a sustainable profile as he moves up. I'm very curious to see what he does in 2024 because a lot of people are very high on where could he be? Could he be a middle of the rotation guy? I don't know if he's an MLB guy simply be, or if he's anything more than a spot starter or number five because of just the lack of velocity on that fastball and my questions about what kind of workload can he take in a full season. Middle infielder Hansel Luis, 2022 IFA, again, half a million dollar guy, 62 games between rookie ball and A ball, 269, 335, 441, seven home runs, 23 extra base hits, 17 walks to 51 strikeouts, 16 to 20 on stolen bases. Really intrigued. A lot of growth to do. He's a switch hitter. Had gap power, really, when he was in rookie ball and an A ball. That's something that'll grow. He's a young guy. But the contact rate did drop below 70%. 
in A-ball. He played second. He played short. They did not try him at third. I don't know if he can has the arm for third. So you're looking at the offense needs to be there. Let's see what he does this year. I'd expect a full season assignment to A-ball, to Vizalia. He'll be a member of the Rawhide. We'll see what he does. Uh, outfielder Jack Hurley was a third rounder out of Virginia Tech in this most recent draft, 2023. Batted, had 33 games, made it all the way up to high A. So rookie ball, A ball, high A. 276, 374, 409. Two home runs, 12 extra base hits, 16 walks to 44 strikeouts, 10 of 11 on stolen bases. Another guy, very curious to see what he does this year. Very much the swing, the setup, all of the, the approach. It's all super aggressive, so he's got to calm down. I'm hesitant to say he's an aggressive guy simply because it was such a small sample, but very curious to see what Jack Hurley does. I would expect a full season assignment to high A Hillsborough Hops. Your goal is to get him to double A Amarillo sometime in the second half of the year. And then there's a couple third basemen in here, and I'm a little confused about the depth of third basemen in this system. So you've got Third baseman Gino Groover, second round pick last year. You also, in 2022, you signed IFA Ruben Santana to a $750,000 deal, and he profiles as a third baseman. So you have between Ivan Melendez, Groover, and Santana, and then a bunch of shortstops that are blocked. You have a lot of infield options, and I don't know where they all play. So Groover, 27 games between rookie ball and A ball batted 283 with eight extra base hits, only one home run, played almost entirely third base, right? A guy walked almost as much as he struck out, but you're really banking on the power that he showed in college. Average exit velocity was 92, 90th percentile was 108. Some of the better power numbers in that college class. Again, didn't really show up in his professional sample, small sample size, we're going to forgive that. When you look at his contact ability, um, in the zone, 92%, 85% overall. So you're happy with some of that. Chase rate was below 25%. So we need to see what he can do here. You feel good about the raw ingredients there, acknowledging that he's not going to run a lot, right? I think he attempted two stolen bases. He got one of them. He's a old school, big old third baseman out there. So Let's see what he can do. Again, full season assignment. I'd expect, depending on where Ruben Santana is, I'd expect probably high A to make room for Santana in single A. And we'll see what comes out of this. For Santana, entire year was in rookie ball last year. 52 games, 316, 389, 487. Four home runs, 16 extra base hits, 17 walks to 50 strikeouts, and 7 of 8 on stolen bases. He played mostly third, played some first base, really struggled defensively. 896 fielding percentage for Ruben Santana. And again, defense does get better as you move up the defensive or as you move up the minors, but you the fact that they played him some at first and it was that you have to wonder where it's going to be. Is he going to be able to the arms good enough? But will the defense be good enough for him to stick at third base? Or do they have to move him into first? From an offensive perspective, hit tool was a plus here. He did really well against everything. He did really well against breaking balls. He did really well against off-speed, against fastballs. Usually you see young players struggle against one of those. So he feels more of that natural hitter kind of guy. The power, 
Again, another one of those where it's a lot of gap power. He's growing into full-size power. He's listed at six foot 190, probably a little bit more physical development in there. And so you're looking at a guy, I think your peak outcome here is a 20 home run guy that can run higher batting averages and decent on-base percentages. One, what's the fit? It's a better fit at third base than it is at first base because the offensive bar is so high at first. Really curious to see how he develops. My goal would be put him at Vizelia all year so you can have Groover at Hillsborough all year. And hopefully Melendez is either double-A or triple-A. And let's figure out who's the, the guy at third base when Eugenio Suarez's deal is done, who's the guy at first base. The dart throw here. No surprise to anybody, I'm taking a guy who had Tommy John, who had put up a great track record in college, Landon Sims, the pitcher. So had Tommy John in late 2022, made it back for 13 starts last year, but only 24 innings. They were all really short. Fastball sweeper change. He changed that slider. He was throwing a power slider in college. So the fastball sits in the mid-90s. Didn't quite show the ability to run it up to 100 like he had in college, but really good up in the zone. I don't have the actual numbers on. I couldn't find it on the spreadsheet, but watching that fastball up in the zone, one of the more impressive elevated fastballs that I've seen probably in this system. If there was a couple more miles an hour on it consistently, I'd probably say it's one of the best fastballs in this system. The slider being a sweeper in the mid 80s, change up is still a work in progress. And what happens with Landon Sims is going to come down to one, the quality of the changeup. You'll remember sweepers have the highest platoon splits of any individual pitch. So he's going to have to have the changeup to give him something that works the other direction. Development of the changeup. Two, he used to throw the power slider, now throws the sweeper. It's common to see guys tweak things as they come out of Tommy John in that rehab. Does he add another slider to it? I could see a scenario where because he's going to work on a changeup that runs arm side, He's got the fastball up and he's got the sweeper. I could see adding something like a gyro slider, give you a little bit of a different velocity range, as well as give you some vertical drop on something. So if Landon Sims can make the change up better, get a little bit more of that fastball velocity back, and even if he doesn't add the, the gyro slider, which I, again, I think he should, you're looking at a guy that could be a mid-rotation option. Really high on Landon Sims. I think he's going to climb a lot this year. One more of these to go. Thank you for hanging out with us six days a week in the month of January. Uh, Until next time, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer. (laughs) 